For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hi there, I'm Robert Rankin, and you're listening to the, the Geek Show. Oh, yes. Welcome to the Geek Show, your show about anime, games, movies, everything you want to know about geek. I'm here today with the beautiful Dave. Oh, thank you. Uh, the You're equally so kind, beautiful Rob. Hello. The even more fabulous Rob. Oh, I want to be beautiful too. And there's also <laughs> Owen. Who may be replaced by Ryan, we're not sure. There's some cosmic switch going to happen at some point. Wait and mm. see. Yes, anyway, um, we're going to start off today with some sad news, as everyone's obviously heard. Um, Sir Terry Pratchett passed away uh, last week. Um, I took it pretty hard, I'll be honest. Yeah, Um, you're you're a huge fan of his literature and... Massive, I have all of his books in hardback. There were several interviews that I really, really wanted to do, and he was top of the list. Have you heard uh, what people on Reddit have been doing as a tribute? Uh, I haven't. You've read Going Postal, right? Yes. You know about John Deerhart? Yes. GNU oh, Don John yes. Deerhart. Oh, as long as his name is on the clacks, death can't take him. They've um, they've produced a piece of code that anyone can upload to an Apache server. Yeah. That says uh, that does the same function. Um, the GNU in in that piece of code stood for the G was. Um, Repeat this. The N yeah. was don't del- uh, the N was don't log it, and the U was send it back down the line. Oh. This piece of code they produced does the same thing with Terry Pratchett's name on the internet. Yeah, uh, well, the GNU comes from the uh, you know the secret thing in going postal, the smoking mm-hmm. GNU. That's what they were yeah. called. Um, they're the ones who sabotaged the clacks during the competition. So yeah, um, I thought it was a nice, nice, uh, nicely researched kind of uh, tribute to him there. It was um, the final tweet from uh, the official Terry Pratchett account, which was uh, for him and uh, his friend Rob, um, or his uh, publisher friend. Yeah. Rihanna Pratchett wrote it, and according to the reports, she was 
crying and she had difficulty typing it. It simply started off with Death saying, At last, Sir Terry, we must walk together. Terry took Death's arm and followed him through the doors and onto the black desert under the endless night. The end. I mean, outside of his uh, outside of his written work, he's done a lot to promote uh, awareness of al- an- an- Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Uh, since, uh, was it 2007 when he was diagnosed, he was uh, an outspoken proponent of more research, you know, more funding needed for research. You know, we need to understand what is happening and basically fight it. Um, but I mean, there were his more controversial views on assisted suicide, which I'm not going to go into. Um, but everyone will remember him as... See, the difficult part is I'm one of those people who actually found a home on Discworld. That was where, you know, that was my go-to place. Whenever I was out of anything to read, I'd just return to Discworld yeah. over and over again. I'm, um, like, I found a copy of, uh, like, Fantastic in the school library. Yeah. And, uh, well, I read Colour of Magic afterwards after really enjoying it, so I read out of order, but yeah. after that, I think I've read pretty much every one of them since. Uh, there's, I, I love, like, the uh, the Witches, the City Watch. There were so many different threads going off that uh, they are all fun to just step into. But he didn't just do Discworld. Um, one of his most powerful novels of recent years... Um, was Nation. I advise anybody who's a Terry Pratchett fan to read it because it is superb. It's about a small island nation that it, uh, that has this kind of... The kids go out on this coming-of-age thing, which is ironic because today's show is about coming-of-age, and they go out onto the, onto the ocean and they basically you know, come back as men. But a tidal wave hits the island, um, and a British ship is also... Uh, that's been swept up in the surge from the tidal wave also crashes there and the main character the boy comes back and there's just this really heartbreaking imagery he paints of the boy not seeing anything all he's doing is just carrying bodies and burying them and it's really powerful because they don't want to become part of the British Empire this island they want to become part of the Royal Society instead which kind of harked back to his passion for science. Um, there's also another great one, Dodger, which is uh, an alternative take on the uh, Oliver Twist story, mm-hmm. using the main character, the Artful Dodger, which was really, really good. Um, he had his collection of uh, short stories, which is uh, a blink of the screen. And then there's all the other spin-off works, you know, the uh, Science of the Discworld and... You know, Nanny Og's cookbook and oh, and I definitely yeah. recommend for young readers. Uh, Hatful of Sky is actually oh, the really Wee Freeman, nice. the Wee Freeman yeah, yeah. uh, stuff. Yes, um, all the Tiffany Tiffany Aching stuff. Um, my niece is currently reading them. Uh, I got her into reading them. She loves the Wee Freeman. She thinks they're brilliant. It's the same sort of humour that you get in the Discworld, but it, it's a nice introduction. Yeah. Also, the amazing Maurice and his educated rodents, mm-hmm. which was a brilliant take on the Pied Piper. Um, so many brilliant books, so many brilliant works. Anyway, we'll miss him. Okay, um, going to move on to uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Um, in a much more heartwarming story, um, Robert Downey Jr. Um, presented a young fan with an Iron Man-themed bionic right arm. Uh, the young boy called Alex was born with a partially developed right arm, 
and uh, the Iron Man themed prosthesis was created by Microsoft OneNote Collective Project, uh, led by Albert Monero. Um, it's nice to see, you know, major celebrities actually doing stuff like this. Yeah. Well, apparently, um, Robbie Downing Jr. heard about they were planning to give this kid the robe, the Iron Man arm, because he loved Iron Man. Yeah, and he sort of insisted that he helped out because he just loved the idea of it, and he came in like all Tony Stark in the suit and stuff and acted the Apparently part. he had, like, uh, in the picture I've seen of it, he has, like, the Iron, part of the yeah, Iron he, Man suit on one brought, arm. He basically brought in two, like, silver cases, the Iron Man arm and then the kid's Iron Man arm so they could both wear them together so that, like, yeah, they had cool Iron Man arms together. See, that's really cute. I like that. Yeah, I wish more celebrities would do stuff like that, although I'm not sure how it would work in Robocop's case. I wish Robert Downey Jr. would give me an awesome robot arm. <laughs> so, um, there's actually been a lot of things. like There was that thing with um, uh, Captain America and um, um, Star-Lord recently, yeah. where they made a bet on the Super Bowl, and the loser had to go dressed up as their character to um, the other people's hospital, and they ended up going to both, dressed as both characters, because... You sort of got to... Yeah. Oh, have you ever seen Hellboy do it? Oh, oh yes. God, yes. Full makeup and everything. It's awesome. He goes around children's hospitals. It's one of the reasons I, I, I really like Ron him. Ron Perlman? Yeah, I really like Ron Perlman. Because um, he, does, he, he does stuff like that on a regular basis, and nobody, he never broadcasts it. You know, he just does it off his own back and just doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't publicize it. He just does it because he wants to. And uh, Johnny Depp does the same. Apparently, he turns up to children's hospitals in full Captain Jack Sparrow get up and stays in character. Yeah, well, they'd freak out if he went as the Mad Hatter. So, <laughs> so I, I think there's something about like those sort of movies and stuff when you sort of in the kiddish stuff in the comics and that sort of thing. You stay a kid at heart, and then you you sort of think what would make kids happy, and you sort of do that sort of things. It's a nice way of giving back, isn't it? That it's like it's outside of like um, money. It's it's an actual experience that they'll never forget. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, have you guys ever heard of a game called uh, Upsilon Circuit? Yes, I have actually. Right. Um, this one features perma permadeath. Yes. What is is a. Um, 4v4 combat arena where you have one life to ever play the game. There's an yeah. RPG element to it where like bonuses are handed out, but they're handed out by the audience. Yeah, because um, it is in front of a live participat- participat- participatory audience. I will get that word out. So the audience are in a way just as involved as the players. They can choose yeah. who to, uh, to give boons to and who to help out. Do you know what this is? This is a throwback to the old Colosseum. You know, when, uh, when, uh, when the Emperor used to stand there with his thumb sideways uh, and the crowd would cheer, you know, live or die, and he'd decide based on what the audience said. Well, it's very much a bit like uh, one of the mechanics they mention in the Hunger Games books. In the, Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, that uh, favours are given out to popular participants by the, the people watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, that's a... Very, very good. Uh, uh, very, very good point. So, um, something that's good is it sort of helps develop community because 
if you are more of an active member of the community who's viewing this, if you're giving out more stuff, if you're doing all this, or you're changing stats, all of that, you're more likely to get picked to yeah. be the next one to play. I'd be scared to play. I'd, I, I know. I'd, I'd mess terrified. it up. I wouldn't want to, like... Like, ah. I have four seconds before I get killed. Yeah. I better make them last. Sorry, I just got this... Uh, I, I don't know. Because you know all the, the usernames aren't going to be the real names. So it's going to be something like, Double X, Lelouch, Double X, come on down. It's, like, it, it's a very interesting idea, and it's shown great community. Yeah. Because... This game is more about the community than it is the game at this point. It almost yeah. has the like the the threat of a real like death spot that it's trying to simulate. Oh, yeah. That like once you've once you've participated and lost, you can never participate again. You you have the one shot. You better make it count. So what happens if you win lo- uh, win loads of times? Do you win your freedom? Is it like <laughs> is it going to be like the col- the Colosseum? I think the only way to win is not to play. Tell you what, I feel sorry for the first guy to die. He never got to kill anyone in that game. <laughs> he just died, and he was out straight away. Hope he was called something like Kenny. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's it's strange because there's only ever going to be eight players at any one time playing this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, yeah. But the audience is, is almost a player. Yeah. So more people will be participating. Yes. Okay, moving on to a bit of Dyson news, and this one, uh, this one tickled my funny bone, which is kind of my phrase of the day. Uh, uh, Dyson's new cordless vacuum cleaner motors spin five times faster than F1 engines. Because you really need that much suction power on your Hoover. <laughs> like, I've never thought, like, when I'm hoovering, like, oh, this stain stuck on there really well. What I need is a jet engine, and then I'll be all right. Well, I find it ironic because the Formula One season has just started, and they've also got Formula E, which is the electric motors. Yeah. So is it possible that at some point in the future, there won't be F1 cars, they'll just be racing Dyson vacuum cleaners? <laughs> I'd like to see that just one guy on a vacuum while the rest of the main <laughs> cars like, bring it. <laughs> Can you make aerodynamical um, hoovers? Yes. <laughs> ben, can we tra- strap two Dysons to uh, like a cart and make a pod race? Pod race <laughs> <laughs> I said it would be like riding a Segway, but hoover. <laughs> I'm just thinking two of them and then like attached with a rope and then we try pod racing. <laughs> <gasps> it's genius. <laughs> See, I- I'm thinking more like the old... Um, like chariot races. Yeah. Just like a load of people with hoovers going, ha! Oh, I just did it really, really went. Because I, I only watched Ben Hur a couple of weeks ago, so I've now got this mental image of Ben in a chariot, you know, wearing like a leather kilt and a leather harness and two Dysons in front of him. Yep. I think this is a thing. We should get on this. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> I could just picture him in like the robes and everything. Exactly. Let's do, do it. Thou man. think you can defeat me? <laughs> Those are knockoff brands. These are Dyson. I'll have you know your Hoover cannot beat me. <laughs> like a toga party, but he can't afford horses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yes. Uh, someone's going to make a cartoon out of this. We know it. Please. Right. Ah, MTS multi-threat shield briefcases. 
Who wants one? Basically, it's a bulletproof briefcase that folds out into your own personal shield. For when business gets that little bit too real. Yes. When you say fold out, does it like fold out into a shield structure? Or just fold out like a suitcase would fold out? Basically, I it hope folds it, like, out yeah. in, it's, folded into, it's folded down to three sections. You fold it out and it's like a shield and you hold it like that. Cool. <laughs> so, like... Is this for businessmen who want to be superheroes? Um, Just like the drop of a hat, they can fold out their shields and be ready for combat. It's basically like a, it's basically a laptop bag type thing. You can put your laptop in there, stuff like that. Um, it costs about nine hundred dollars or six hundred and three pounds. But if you're using your laptop in a war zone or in the middle of a police shootout, I'm thinking I break most of my bags. How long do you think this one will hold up? Or you're the guy who has to do the cash. The cash drop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've worked retail and you have to like be the one that takes the indistinct, unmarked bag over to the uh, the bank to cash oh, in the that brown days. paper bag, yeah. Oh, no one uses a brown paper bag. No, that's just like a dead giveaway these days, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I always spot it with... Um, they always use like a really ratty bag. And I saw someone coming out with a jeweler's with... Like, dressed appropriately for working in a jeweler's, quite smart, and a really yeah. ratty bag on the side. And I'm like... That's the cash drop bag. <laughs> That's the one it's we got. It's kind of for. a dead see, giveaway. See, see what isn't they it? should do is get like a burlap sack with a dollar sign on the side of it, and then no one suspects a thing. Swag written on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, who wants one of these? Yo, I keep breaking my bags, and I just hope this one would last. Yeah. Like, actually, you'll give it to me, and like two weeks later, I like I broke the hinges. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's bulletproof, but not Ben-proof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, apparently this uh, this is able to absorb multiple impacts from handguns, shotguns, and pistol-caliber pistol submachine guns. It's even able to protect you from high-powered rifle attacks, um, although that requires the addition of optional armor plating, which is going to add even more weight. I think it's worth the risk. Like You don't know when a guy with a high-caliber sniper, sniper rifle is going to shoot at me. I need to make sure I'm protected from that. Office Nerf Wars just got real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, moving on to um, Ibo. Does anyone remember Ibo? The little robot dog thing. This Sony's little robot dog thing from the 90s, yeah. I remember like it being featured on Blue Peter and things like that. Yeah. Well, um, Sony stopped selling Ibo in 2006, but they maintained... The repair fun- uh, their repair service for it up until last year. Now, eyeballs are dying, sadly. Uh, and there are there are people in, over in Japan who were really attached to their eyeballs, and they're actually holding real funerals for their robot dogs. Could just buy a real dog. Well, no, in Japan, often they can't because of like oh, uh, yeah, they live in they, they often live in big apartment complexes that don't allow pets. That's why like tamagotchis and robot pets were so popular because it's not something they could actually have, and that's why they have cat cafes where people can go and interact with a real animal because they can't have one themselves. Yeah. So yeah, they may have got really attached to this thing that was almost a real animal. Fair enough. And as I said, like I just envision a, a cash and sins kind of situation happening where the uh, the few surviving <laughs> eyeballs cannibalizing parts so they can stay alive off the others i'm wondering if there's like a black market for them now where like 
you need Ibo's leg, I bring you Ibo's leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, a really Dutch accent. Like, like, <laughs> like the dog, like you give them the, your dog, and comes back and has like a poodle leg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> film pitch, Ibo Highlander. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> well, do you, know, do you remember the uh, thing that they used to do with certain dogs when they lost a leg? They'd, put, they'd give them a wheel instead. Yeah. Because that made sense. Um, Are you suggesting like tank tracks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can a remote control an, dog? <laughs> starts off as an eyeball, ends up as like a Sherman. Do people customise eyeballs? No. Mine's powered by a Dyson engine. <laughs> <laughs> it, can do, it can fetch at 500 metres a second. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, uh... It's weird. We make fun of it, but some people do get really invested yeah, he, in these sorts of things. It's kind of sad when you think about it you because, know. like, these people don't have like real pets, and this little robot dog's worked as a companion yeah. for a lonely person. So losing it's kind of sad. It uh, is. Is this like a an upshoot of? I know that Sony are really like like funneling down what they're actually like, doing these I th- days. I think it's, a, I think it's uh, an offshoot of that, yeah. So no one thought of the dogs when this <laughs> when when Sony announced these things. No one yeah. thought. But then again, the eyeballs have had a good life, you know. Um, what was it? They started off in the mid-90s, so it's been around 20 years. In dog terms, in normal dog terms, that's 140 years, isn't it? It's a hell of a life. Hi there, I'm Robert Rankin, and you're listening to the the Geek Show. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yes we are. Um, okay, uh, can we just pile all the mics in a van and just go on a road trip right now? We should do at some point. We should do. Um, why are road trip? Okay, why are road trips synonymous with coming of age in the first place? It's the journey, man. It's not about getting there. It's no, it's it's not about the destination. It's about how you got there. Okay, <laughs> explain. Um, <laughs> well, um, road trip is generally about um when you're trying to get to A to B, but on the way you learn a lot about yourself, about um people around you. You develop as a person. That is the idea of the road trip movie. Yeah, it's okay. a shared experience that people like get different things from and uh, can can grow. Like if you're stuck in the same place all all your life, you'll probably not have that sort of. Well, you may you may grow, but it, this is an easy way to to yeah. like to be a catalyst to grow. Take people out of their like sort of comfort zone and let them experience things firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of an offshoot of that whole idea that travel broadens the mind. Kind yeah, of thing. pretty much. Okay. Um, no, they're, they're re- it's just confusing because you get some... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I've seen loads of movies where they've gone on like from A to B and it's not really involved any kind of change in their personality or anything like that. Well, it doesn't have to. The idea of a road trip is just the journey from A to B, you don't have to grow as a character. It's just, it's an easy way to do growth is oh, via I that. You. I get you, I get you. So it's the stuff that happens on the way rather than the stuff that happens at the end. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, all right, then. Um, so 
just looking at in the in those terms, we talk. I mentioned coming of age, but I mean, does that is that limited to say you know teenagers or kids? No, no. I mean, um, for example, it's not a road trip movie, but um, if you were to look at uh, World's End, that is basically uh, all of those people by the end of that, after they've gone through all their events, they've changed in some way. Okay, and they're grown. They're grown men. Yeah, it's taught them things about themselves they didn't know before. Actually, you mentioned Paul earlier on, which is a road trip movie. Yeah, um, but also counts as a coming of age movie, doesn't it? And that's yeah, that is well, that is grown men, but they sort of become more uh, wise, wisdomful, and they more they confident, get, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. more rounded man people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I said they're not man babies anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, and they sort of they, they they sort of start pursuing their dreams after that. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all they're all people that were, you know, they they wanted to do something but they never got round to it. Yeah, and um, and the girl they pick up on the way from the incredibly religious village. Oh yeah, it's like she experiences things and grows as a person quite a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Well, are there any other? I mean, I, I suppose in that respect, then you know, stand by me. Yes, that that is kind of a road trip. The kids just boys just go off to see you know, see a dead body, and it's just a trek through the woods. You know, it's not going you know hundreds of miles away or anything like that. But mm-hmm. that is a road trip, isn't it? Yeah, you don't need wheels and an engine for it to be a road trip. Yeah, don't even need a road for it to be a road trip. Where we're going, we won't need. <laughs> what are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. N- nowhere, apparently, <laughs> caught into the blank, blank airspace. Yes, okay. Um, all right. Um, kids movies, then. Kids movies often feature a lot of this uh, whole, you know, uh, coming of age. But are all kids movies coming of age movies? Do, do you mean, like, movies about kids? Because that's more more likely to be a coming-of-age story or movies for kids where sometimes they're about things that are separated from childhood? Um, I think a little from column A, a little from column B. So, uh, the reason that films with kids often tend to favour um, the coming-of-age sort of plot line is because it is about kids and kids going through what other kids are going through. And it's sort of relatable. Yeah. So it gives a good explanation of things because sometimes when you're going through trying, you start to develop into like a real person rather than just a stupid kid. It's hard to kind of understand it. Mm -hmm. So being able to sort of put it there in like a movie, it's easier to see and relate to when you're a kid. Yeah. And it's easier to do sort of through metaphors in a way than it is through, like, what directly kids go through. Yeah. I mean, like, start off as a dumb kid and end up saving Narnia. Yeah. What's actually happened is a coming-of-age thing in the middle. But it's sort of easier to do through, like, extended metaphors than it is, like, in a more human way, I'd say. So, um, on the other hand, like, saying that all kids' films are coming of age isn't true at all. It's like um, films like Up is more someone accepting the world as it is than them growing up as a person. It was about an old man who couldn't accept the loss of his wife. 
and through this adventure, he didn't he didn't sort of turn like come of age or anything like that. He's more coming to terms. Than yeah. Coming. So, <clears throat> okay then. Um, is there a difference then between coming to terms and coming of age? Well, um, I think coming of age sort of implies you learn new stuff about yourself on how to adapt to um, like what life is going to bring at you while accepting what's happened um, when coming to terms is more there's something that's happened that shook your life so much that you need to learn to adapt to it. Mm. I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm having trouble explaining it. No, I kind I kind of get what you mean. It was, uh, I mean, if we're talking like animated movies, then uh, it was something. Big Hero Six did it um, with uh, with Tadashi, yeah, um, and How to Train Your Dragon did it with uh, with his dad, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think those films sort of fall into a strange category where they're both, yeah, because yeah, I agree um, with that. Like, Big Hero 6, um, Hero was learning how to accept that his brother was gone. At the same time, he was learning to grow as a person. He learned to reach out to friends. He da- learned how emotions reacted. He he learned a lot more. It wasn't just simply simply him coming to terms with what happened. Yeah. A bizarre thought that just sprang into my head. Is Journey to the West a road trip coming of age movie? It is. Um, I mean, Journey to the West as in Monkey. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's just like one of the adaptations. Yeah. Of the... But uh, yeah, it, 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 I suppose... Because I... in a way, like Monkey especially matures a hell of a lot through the film. Like, uh, well, through the, through the journey... Yeah. It teaches him a lot. It teaches all the characters that it go It teaches him, him not to urinate against Butter's fingers for uh, for a start. Uh, well, yeah, but like he starts off um, with that magical headband that constricts and stops him uh, acting out in wild ways. Uh, but then yeah. later on, that's never used that much. Yeah. Um, I, see what, I see exactly what you mean. Uh, I suppose it is, in a way. Um, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the archetype for the road trip as well. Because it just starts off with him and Trippy Tucker, mm-hmm. and then they meet Pigsy and Sandy along the way, um, and have all sorts of adventures, mainly supernatural ones, sometimes involving women. Yes. Anyway, um, enough of the uh, Bond from an egg on a mountaintop. Um, and I mean, is Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, a road trip movie? Like the first one, on yeah. Time. The first one, I, I can see where I can see what you mean about it being a road trip movie. Um, yeah, he, he finds out information about himself. He travels to learn about the world and find out more things about himself. Happen on, things happen along the way, like the Death Star. Um, so yeah, uh, and the garbage disposal, uh, <laughs> disposal. You know, all sorts of things happen on the way. Space trip. Yes. Um, but actually, by my almost little flub there, Star Trek kind of is a road trip. Well, it is and it isn't, because I think that... Uh, I'd say less so than yeah than what we just said there. Like it's, I mean, the, uh, uh, there are episodes of Star Trek that I would that could fall into the whole road trip category, 
But as a whole, I think Star Trek isn't a road trip because they're supposed to be out there. They're supposed to be going from one place to another, doing all sorts of stuff, mainly admin work, you know, for the Federation. That's how it ended up with the next generation anyway. I mean, uh, as for the entirety of Babylon 5 that is just on a space station, so there's no road tripping. In has, oh, no, no, no. Deep, deep, you've got Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah, Deep Space Nine. Has, in more modern times, road trip fell into flat boy, uh, frat boy kind of territory? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, I mean, the whole idea of, the, of going on a road trip, finding yourself... Road uh, trip! <laughs> woo! It's basically <laughs> taken on a much more physical meaning in modern-day movies. You know, you go out for, you know, uh, for the beer and the women or the men, depending on what your, uh, uh, which way you swing, uh, which gender you are. Don't forget the weed. <laughs> yeah, there's a, usually a huge drug-orientated section of most frat bro road trip films yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Um, they can be funny at times, but... They're not really my thing. Uh, once you've seen one, you've seen pretty much all of them. And they, they generally all have the um, the same moral with, like like Ben started off with, it's not about getting there, it's about the journey. Yeah. Because yeah. quite often they find the thing that they were chasing after, maybe it doesn't exist, maybe yeah. it's not the thing they even Bill wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That could sort of be classed, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like a road trip through history. Yeah. <laughs> To become the righteous dudes they so rightfully should be. Yep. <laughs> the bottom of the story is be good to each other. <laughs> no, be excellent to each oh, other. I've been corrected. Yes, yeah. you you got it wrong. <laughs> Face it, Ryan, you got a movie quote wrong. Uh, it's movie favourites as well. <laughs> <laughs> you have shamed yourself. I know. Now wipe yourself off and go stand in the corner. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, anyway, um, pick of the geek there. Your top three, or if you can get that many, uh, road trip or coming of age movies, because they're not necessarily the same thing. Um, I think uh, it was mentioned earlier, but Paul okay. is a great um, example. It takes a unique twist on the usual formula, and it sort of does everything very entertaining and in a, a way I found quite relatable. Okay. Um Yeah, I wouldn't say it's as it's as good as like the like the Edgar Wright Cornetto trilogy oh, ones with, yeah. with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, but it's still like got a, a nice Yeah, yeah. relatabilityness to it. It's like Yeah. Yeah. That out of your comfort zone maybe you can do the things you want to do. Exactly. And else? We can't leave it at just Paul. Galaxy Quest. Ooh. Mm. That's an interesting one. It's basically Star Wars, but yeah. Parody. It does work, though. Yeah. Because he gets taken off onto the, uh, you know, on a trip to... On his own starship, even, which has been carefully built as per instructions in the TV show. Yeah, because the aliens have um, thought that uh, the Star Trek-like parody they produced uh, was a historical documentary. Yep. So they have uh, enlisted the help of these heroes that have done all these amazing things they've seen them do yeah to help them i love the uh you know when they uh press the button at the end and just, the countdown keeps going and then stops at one second because that's how it is in the tv series so, um 
not as good as the book, but um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Good call, um, good call, good call. I mean, there's also the uh, the BBC s- series of it that was yeah. actually quite... Yeah. Well, well, I haven't seen the BBC series. Oh, it was, it's a zero-budget kind of thing, but it keeps the charm of like the, the actual book. Yeah. yeah. Hmm, I'm going to go with, uh, with well, I've got to go with the classic Stand By Me because it is one of my favourite movies. Um, just the just the entire sentiment of it, it really hit home. And because I watched it when I was a kid, you know, it just stuck with me. Yeah. Um, after that, I've got to go with Goonies. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Surprised no one else mentioned that. Goonies actually. never said die. Yes. <laughs> Time Bandits. Oh, yeah. Time Bandits is a really good Goonies one. Goonies is dated so badly. I know it has, but Goonies never said I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think Goonies has gone down in, inf- like, in, in infamy that, like, people still remember the characters and the slogans, even if they haven't seen the film in years. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that I would choose right now, uh, it kind of is a road trip movie, but also isn't a road trip movie, but it does have ca- that whole coming of age aspect and also the coming to terms aspect as well. Uh, the never ending story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the whole idea of Bastian uh, Balthazar Buck sitting in the attic in the school reading the book, you know, so he's not actually going anywhere, but the character, Atreyu, in the book is, you know, he's all over the kingdom looking mm-hmm. for, looking to find out how he can beat the nothing. And all those creatures he, uh, you know, he meets, you know, the uh, huge rock troll with, you know, good uh, with that whole thing, you know, they look like good strong hands, don't they? At the end, when he when he can't keep hold of anyone, yeah. So yeah, uh, never ending story. Good choice. And labyrinth. <laughs> Damn it! It's like my entire childhood is coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, a lot of kids' movies do work on this. Um, the road trip coming of age sort of thing because it's it it's, works well yeah. for that sort of age yeah, group. So it's a good plot device. You can sort of slot anything you want to, really. Isn't it? You can bring characters together that wouldn't normally have met. Yeah, yeah. I'm Dylan Horrocks, a cartoonist from New Zealand, and you're listening to the Geek Show. And we're currently on a road trip, playing some games. Woo! <laughs> road trip gonna get all my homies in in an airship and we're gonna road trip <laughs> to the end of uh the game crystals and stuff yeah yep. gonna get my homies the black mage the white mage the hunter and the who are you calling the black mage <laughs> my black mage i don't bother renaming the characters so they're all just called their class sorry i was trying to make a uh, 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 we know. I know. It, it failed catastrophically. Yes, I it did. I'll, I'll you you cannot knock me off yeah. my stride. I'll, I'll go stand in the corner and think about what I've done. Yeah, you should. Oh, it, it, a failure cast of the race card. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it just failed. Yeah, that was believe that, in the heart of the cards. That was the monumental <laughs> failure. Anyway, do we have a question for this section? Yes. Why am I here? Um, <laughs> That's deep. Yes. Uh, coming of age, uh, does it work as a gameplay mechanic? Because they tried using, uh, uh, they tried doing the whole age thing in Fable and the whole thing where your title changes from chicken chaser to, you know, hero or villain or whatever. Um, does it work though as a gameplay mechanic? See, the issue I have with it in um, Fable is it's very 
force fed. Yeah. Very brief as well. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. I mean, uh, you know... Um, you're a kid. Now you're a teenager. Now you're an adult. Now you're a demon. Basically, yeah. <laughs> within, within like a few hours... Well, a slight exaggeration, but within what, what effectively was a few hours of playing the game in comparative terms to other RPGs, I'd gone from being this teenage, teenage weedy kid to being this grizzled old Santa-type character. Like, what the hell? But in a way, that's that's a bit of the issue with that, is with the films we were talking about where they show coming of age, they don't do it in a physical sense. These people become um, adults yeah. without knowing it because they're distracted by the events that happen around them. But like, look, looking back in retrospect, they're a different person to the were at the start. It's... Uh, 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 to quote Pratchett, inside every old person is, an, is a young person wondering what happened. And inside every young child, there is a skeleton. <clears throat> I'd say something uh, coming of age thing would be more like um, like the Legend of Zelda or something, where yeah, you um, you start off as a young kid who can barely do anything, but through through the game, just by just by facing up to challenges, you you gain more power, you gain. Yeah. And then, like you, you're definitely a different, different person to you were at the start. It, it, it's a, it's a common thing that's been used in a lot of RPGs since then. I mean, but it, that's not an RPG. That's like a, an action game, really. Well, no, it's an RPG. Uh, it doesn't have any leveling up. It doesn't have any like um, what, the Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Oh, the original Legend of Zelda. You're talking. No, I mean about. any but Zelda two. Well, no, it, it it might not have leveling up per se, but it does have you have have certain elements where you actually get stronger, or in this case, gain more health, stuff like that. It's not really an RPG style leveling system. It, it's not, but you know, you understand what I mean. A, I get where you're coming from, but it's more of an action adventure it, it, than it is a. No, RPG. I, I I understand I understand that. I'm saying that it still has certain elements that you know uh, they kind of cross. No, it's RPG more that boundary. it's a story-driven game that people group it in with the same category as an RPG. I'd say. Yeah, I think that's yeah. where people get confused because they're like, it's got a good story, so must be RPG. Ah, I see. Right, okay. In my opinion, I think uh, this type of narrative, or that type of narrative, only works more sort of uh, with more physically and visually. Uh, for example... Uh, things like World of Warcraft and stuff, that progression is often shown through your gear and the stronger mm-hmm. you've become. Same with any game like Skyrim, you start off with like next to nothing and then by the end, you know, you've got like dragon armor and you just look a badass and it's that. It's that the thing with those games, you are physically stronger, you look physically more powerful, but emotionally you are the same yes, person. Yes, in all fairness, that is the only down point. I well, suppose. a game that's out soon, um, Xenogears. Yeah. Um, it does that thing that a lot of games do this, but the initial antagonist that you're introduced to, uh, one of the first ones you meet is Metal Face. And he is a threat at the start of the game when you're someone who's just... Uh, Shulk picks up the Monado, a sword that um, it can do amazing things, but it's, it's rare that anyone can handle it. And doesn't it alter reality kind of thing? It can if you can use it right. And so he goes from a kid who just picks it up after someone like is like downed in battle that was using it to um you you managed to drive off metal face at the start yeah but you actually have a proper battle as equals later on 
So that shows sort of shows the coming of age, the the building <laughs> as a, of a character that you can actually like, you can take on challenges that were insurmountable to start with. Well, it, it's that in effect is it is the same as quite a lot of other RPGs. Yeah, uh, you know, using Xenogears as the, as that exa- uh, as the example, and it's the same in Grandia. It's the same in uh, it's the same in quite a few of the Final Fantasies, especially the likes of Ten. I was I was going to say the same thing. You know, uh, well, ten is definitely a road trip. Yeah, yeah, ten is definitely a road trip as well. Um, there are elements of road trips in the others. Um, I'd say seven's quite quite road trippy. You even get a car. You get a car. You get a plane. You get an airship. But uh, yeah, you pick up characters in a very and you get chocobos and you get feels. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. The you only feeling I had during seven was rage. We we all we all know this story. <laughs> oh, but. But when you find out, when you find out about Shera, right? You meet her in Rocket Town, and, we, and what's she's the character? Shera. Oh, right, her. She's the one that destroyed Sid's dreams. Only yeah. she didn't. She saved his life. Yeah, and she can't tell him that. And yeah, it's actually that's that's pretty good. No. She t- the the abuse she takes off Sid, and then when you find out more about their story and like what mm. they actually mean to each other, but neither of them will say it. Yeah, that's, that's really Seems nice. No, I, I agree. That's really nice. But uh, you know, that's the sort of development that I want to see more in games. Yeah, because there's a lot of oh, you're growing up because you got the next level of fireball, but there's not really as much of that emotional level. But um. It's a bit contradicted, but Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, the actions that happen in Metal Gear Solid 1 change how Snake views everything. Yes. He goes through that, and through the meeting of Sniper Wolf, seeing how it interacts with Archon, meeting Archon, uh, how um, Grey Wolf changes, how like the whole cyborg thing, he gets a different outlook on life, and that reflects in later games. In um, number two, he's more stilted. He's trying to keep his distance. And he tries to not show anything. He just tries to get the goal done. Yeah. In Um, number four, you see a lot of the repercussions of how he feels about people. I'll tell you an interesting one. Um, You talking about Metal Gear has reminded me of it. Um, The original Shenmue game, right? The, The first game wasn't really a road trip game or a coming-of-age game. You know, it was just basically... Coming-of-age, maybe. Um, it, it had elements of coming-of-age, but it wasn't really a true coming-of-age game. That didn't happen. The road trip in the coming-of-age didn't happen until Shenmue 2, when he actually went to Hong Kong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's where he started travelling inwards towards mainland China. Um, and the great thing was, the nice thing was, if you'd played the original Shenmue, it was one of the first games that did this, if you played the original Shenmue, your save game from there, you could transport across to Shenmue 2 and start Shenmue 2 with everything you had from Shenmue. All the skills, all the uh, all your possessions, all the money that you made, everything. Yeah. It was one of the first games to actually have that incorporated. So it was effectively, you just carried on playing the game. Yeah. I think the, um, I don't know if you've played the new Monster Hunter the plot it bases off basically mm. a road trip. You join a caravan and you meet new people on the way. You recruit them into the caravan 
your character progresses as it goes through. But uh, also, I remember we talked about this. I said it reminded me of uh, Crystal Chronicles a little bit because the whole caravan aspect. Yeah, sort of. So the thing is, um, again, your character doesn't really grow at all emotionally. They don't. I'd say more the um, the captain. Oh, but yes, the the sporting cast does amazingly. But obviously, un- unfortunately, with a game with a self-insert character, yeah. character growth is something that, like... Yeah, it's hard to create um, character growth when it's an insert character because the player chooses what that person does compared I mean, to having a written character. I mean, they've slightly subtly tried to do it through little cutscenes. Yeah. Um, when you face off against a new monster, you get a little cutscene. Cut yeah. And later in the game, your hunter seems more capable when he meets a new monster. Yeah. On on the early ones, it's like, whoa, what's going on? Ah, then he'll fall over on his, yeah. onto his butt, and it's but, very, like, comedic. Yeah, um, first time um, you fight that spider thing, he steps into the web. You had something, Ryan? Uh, just go and say, like, what uh, you were saying there, Ben, where it's, like, it's a bit harder, in a way, for insert characters, but then... You, you like you, obviously you can't forget like it's, it is sort of like role play and you can put in like your own idea of the story mm-hmm. into it. So there is that like that Skyrim essentially, like you say, you, you you don't get that actual development of the character, so you make it up as you go along. So yeah, you still I, can get I it. Mean, I, I, on, I know what you mean, but it can't be written to yeah, a degree like you can when it has but a can, main character. Can but does it? that make I mean, it better or worse? Um, if you were to like look at the uh, the Mass Effect trilogy as a road trip, yeah, and the character development that happens to yourself insert character. Except the thing is, by making you shepherd and making you decide a story for yourself, they give you enough elements so Shepard is a character by himself, not just you. Right. It's like, he, it's if you a, get what I mean. It's a very far and against argument, yeah. So, but as a road trip and coming of age kind of story, what? how would you, like, say Mass Effect first? Uh, actually, really well. Like, mm. It's a great example because as you go on, you find out more and you have to question your... Part of the Paragon Renegade system yeah. is that you have to ask those questions. Do I want to... Here is the last of this creature's kind. Uh, this creature wants wiped out life forms, but she knows what's wrong. But if I kill her here, she that is them gone forever. Yeah. Or I could save her, but these were creatures that wiped out races. But you, really, it's in a way, you couldn't say coming of age because it's not... It's not about like a transition to adulthood or yeah. a, a different state of maturity, but in a way, is it almost coming of age for humanity as, as a species by the end? Well, tell you, it's really for humanity because Shepard is the first human spectre. He is representing humankind in a place that they have never been allowed to be. Yeah, they are the children of the space world, uh-huh. and his actions or her actions will be judged. Mm-hmm. Just a quick question. Um, what types of games, then, would work best with the whole idea of coming of age? Um, well, it depends. I mean, if you've got a strong narrative presence and you can actually like make a, a player feel something, hmm. then you, you sort of can. So yeah. kind of like Mass Effect did. Yes. Uh, so the thing is, if you try too hard, you'll end up with a David Cage. 
where um, <laughs> yes, you force the emotions, you force the feels, and it doesn't feel realistic in the slightest because. Or do we do like as Ryan said, like allow people to have their own story, their own feels by, you know, letting them be the character, letting them role play the character. Yeah, exactly. Well, <clears throat> just going to The Walking Dead for a, uh, for a minute here. Yes, if that you were playing the character and the story, it, it was very story driven. Yeah, but you made the choices. Yeah, effectively, you you knew these were your choices. You were just you know the character was just there as kind of. A placeholder. This is the stu- This is the thing that you would have done in that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is that then the character in the game growing, or is that you growing? I think it's sort of a cross between the two. I agree, because although you're making the choices, you don't always align themselves to yourself. Yeah, it is very much the situation of the character. See, one of the things I liked about The Walking Dead, just to, just to highlight something. I mean, in a way, episode one is a bit of a road trip in that you uh, you move from place to place. as the Season two is where the coming of age stuff happens with Clementine. Yeah. But one of the things I liked about it, because you know these morality systems that they started bringing in yeah. with, inf- with the likes of Infamous and that. Uh, I've always been. I've always disliked them for the p- fact that they don't have the third option, which is I don't care. Uh, yeah, and my main issue with a lot of morality system is it's either you are the new form of Jesus, or you are the super devil. Yeah, like there's you there's either not, save the guy or kill his dog. There's no middle yeah, ground. There's no middle ground. There's no there's no option for why do I have to get involved in this? This isn't my problem. Yeah, no, that doesn't automatically make me evil. You know, it just makes me indifferent. Par- Paragon, renegade. Passive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> passive, passive. Oh, I maybe have passive no aggressive. strong feelings one way or the other. I am Switzerland. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if I uh, die, tell my wife, hello. Yes. But um, one of the things I liked about The Walking Dead was it didn't it did away with that morality system. It just gave you choices. It yes. didn't say whether they were good or bad. Y- you were not... You had to figure yourself. Yeah, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Like this guy just passed out. He could die any second, turn and kill us all. Yeah. Do I kill him to make uh, to make sure he doesn't wake up, or do I try to revive him? Yeah. Or you know, there's two people people being attacked. Who do I save? You yep. make the choice. Um, and. It'd be nice if games stopped trying to mess with the whole morality thing as a means of trying to kind of uh, drive a character in a particular direction. Do you know what type of what type of why RPGs I like as sort of road trip kind of scenarios? Why? Because when you've got a uh, like a brilliantly built world, hmm. it's a great excuse to get out there and explore it in a natural kind well, of way. That's one of the reasons why I like the new Dragon Age. Because there were so many huge areas that you could explore, either on foot or on horseback. Mm-hmm. So many places that were accessible. But with a lot of the RPGs, you find that that just isn't the case. The, you know, you don't have all that room to exploit, that room to run around. Mm. But room to run around is great. But like having a narrative that like um, gets you to the next area can, can be a driving force. Yeah, see, I think it, can, it can be. 
this is why I'm looking forward to the new Final Fantasy 15 a lot because it seems to be like it's going for that. Yeah, yeah. it does seem like it's going to be the the road trip, the journey. Uh, they've shown a lot of like stuff out in the fields lately with yeah. uh, the the gameplay demos that's came yeah, out. Yeah. I'm withholding judgment on whether it's going to be a road trip or not. Well, it's going to be a road trip. It's just whether it's going to be a coming of age story that's up uh, in the air. Well, I don't it, know. It's definitely well, the trip it, no, between... it, de- it definitely seems it it will be the the few plot details have revealed uh, is that Noxus is um he was something to do with the the deposed ruling classes. And so yeah. he has like he has you yeah. know definitely there's going to be some sort of coming of age story for him. Yeah, but we don't know what any of it is yet. Yeah. No, it's the the road trip element. I've seen the gameplay footage. I've seen you know, You've seen them the on a road, on a trip. Don't see how it's a road trip yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the thing is, I've played too many games where where they've had that kind of element in them, but it's all it is is just basically I'm travelling from A to B. That's basically it. Well, that's still a road trip. <laughs> well, no, that's just travel. No, but they've shown that things happen on the way. Yeah, there yeah, are they've shown that th- yeah. They've shown that things happen on the way. There are interactions, stuff like that, which is why I'm sitting on the fence. I want to see more of more of that. I want more details about that sort of stuff yeah. before I will say uh, yes or no. I think it's pretty It's not sure. that I'm saying it isn't. You mm. know, I'm definitely not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying I'm sitting on the fence. Again, uh, I am Switzerland. And um, uh, Ryan mentioned uh, the best road trip game of all time. Oh, Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> Which no. I played recently. <laughs> no, no, just no. Crazy Taxi. <laughs> That's not no, 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 it's not a road trip movie. Uh, sorry, game. <laughs> movie? Game. Um, You're having a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm having a meltdown. Um, yeah, I know it's not a road trip game. Okay, um... Is there such a thing as a road trip game, then? Yeah, Oregon Trail, we just said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On Oregon Trail, the zombie remake. (laughs) I mean, things like uh, Tales of Symphonia is, like, essentially, it's it's a road trip. You you go from place to place, um, you pick up characters, you have interactions, you have a set goal, but that ends up changing. Grand Year 2 is pretty much the same, I suppose, then. Because um, Ryodo starts off as not caring about anything and actually learns to care. Oh yeah, I mean uh, Lloyd in uh, Tales of Symphonia has—he wants to be an adventurer, but has no idea what this entails in terms yeah. of like the human cost of what thing, what what that entails. For one thing, um, I do, do you know about the X spheres in that game? Yeah, and how they're produced. And um, was it not? Um, oh, I've forgotten. Uh, they farm humans yeah, until their it, soul yeah. seeps out into a yeah. stone and they can be used. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, throughout the game, you you basically start with, oh, and to equip X spheres, you press X, and, uh, and then later it's like, okay, that's 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 a weight on me now that I've yeah. learned that. Um, is uh, Do you think that, uh, okay. And uh, in terms of coming of age, the interactions between him and uh, Kratos. Hmm. Yeah, well, yes, I will agree with you totally on that one. Um, but the thing that kind of bugs me about this is this whole idea of, you know, questing versus road trip. Because, I mean, a fetch quest you wouldn't class as a road trip, would no. you? No. Um, the reason I use that one as an example is they're, yeah. they're journeying to the tower to start with. No, uh, the, overall, yeah. I will agree, Tales of Symphonia is a road trip. You know, it does fall into that category because they're on their they're on a journey. Stuff happens along the way. That's what I would define as a road trip. You know, they're going from here 
to hear? Are they just kind of going off on one and just seeing what's out there? They both fall in the same in category. Mostly road trips have an objective. Even if the objective isn't fulfilled, even if they end up going off on a different tangent, I think road trips, you have to start with an objective. Mm, there needs I, I to be disagree. some motivation, basically. I, I disagree. I went on a road trip on Saturday. We didn't have any objective other than just to get out there. But in a narrative sense, that's why you go on a road trip for an ob- objective. There's, I don't think I've ever seen a game that starts with, hey, uh, just do what you like. Wander over there if you feel like it. But yeah, wouldn't it be great if there was one like that? I don't think so. You need to have some driving force behind why you're going to do something. Mm, yeah, I suppose in, in the sense of a game, yeah. So, um, here's something I want to ask. Does Skyrim class his road trip? Because... No. no. So. But the thing is, like, oh, I have to go to Wil- Windhelm. That's all the way over there. I have no quick travel means, so I'm going to have to journey there. And along the way, I find a cave where there's, like, spriggans have infested it. I find a mine where um, people are trapped inside. I find a um, a Daedric cult, yeah, and I it, save it, the world. I get them this all-powerful mace. I, and all these things yeah, are going around. Like, it's does, not written to be a, yeah, I, I a know, road trip, how does that How does that add to the... How does that add to your story? It makes you stronger, but does it change you in any way? I mean, it just makes you stronger. It makes you able to take on more monsters, stuff like that. But are there any interactions with other people along oh, the way that change you and change their percep- the other characters' perceptions of you? But the thing is, like I said, technically, a road trip is just getting from A to B. Hmm. Like, development of character is something we associate with it, but it's not necessary. And why can't just the fun of the trip be the goal of the trip? Because well, isn't that exactly what I was just saying? You know, just kind of going off on one and the fun of the trip is the whole point of you doing it. It doesn't have to be any particular destination. So we were saying in a game sense, you sort of have to have a goal. It's not just aimless wandering. I do that a hell of a lot in games. I just go off on one. Yeah, I but, spent ages in... Uh, but you've, you've been given a goal and you generally choose to do Endless Wandering. Um, like, for example, I, one of the first things we talked about was Zelda, where you have a set goal, but the amount of side quests you can do, that's your choice. I wasn't doing side quests. I was just going off and seeing what was out there. So that was still a goal. You wanted to see what was out there. Yeah. It's like It wasn't like you just like, okay, now I'm leaving to do to just wander you go ooh that mountain over there looks yeah, interesting I think, I wonder I, I think we're get getting into the area of semantics though because it's not really a story driven goal I've just decided that I'm just going to go off track you know ignore the story completely and just see what's there Except the thing is when you do that you sort of do it because you see a thing and you're like I wonder what's over there and that interest is enough to drive you over there yeah Basically. But that's your goal. That's my goal, not there. the story goal. What I'm talking yeah. about is T- in terms take of... Take Journey, for example. It doesn't really give you an objective. It's just just wonder over yeah. here. What's that in the distance? Yeah. Pretty much that. Actually, I think Journey is pretty much the ultimate kind of road trip type mm, experience. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it literally is. Yeah. There's that big shiny thing over there. I want to see what it is up close. I'm heading over there. Oh, things. I meet a couple of people on the way. 
certain things happen. I have to solve a few puzzles. Yeah. And my scarf gets longer and I can fly for longer. <laughs> so, um, there is a game that I like because it's a road trip, a coming of age, and an accepting of um, where you are. Yeah. And that's The Last of Us. Yes. It's about the yes. trip to go find the fireflies as Ellie comes of age and Joel accepts what's going on around him. Yep. Like, he's been stuck in the past with the loss of his daughter. Um, while Ellie is oblivious to the world and just wants to get out and she learns how harsh the world is. Yeah. He is all three things we've been talking about in one. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, in a way, um, it's kind of the plot of every Pokemon game. I was, I was going to hope someone would mention this. Oh, yeah. Like, the road trip, like, the journey, the, the coming of age. You just want to be the best. And the things that happen along the way. That no one ever A wild was. Pokemon appears. <laughs> oh, no, but in terms of, like, the ones that are more narrative-driven, they do hammer it home that, like, you know, you've learned all these things on the way. You've affected yeah. these Train other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You... Got to catch them all. You learn a lot during it. And it's you and me. And people... <laughs> I know it's my destiny. <laughs> people really, like, hammer it in when you're talking to them. It's you're like, my best um, friend. At the end of... Um, near the end <laughs> of um, Ruby and Sapphire, uh, before you go into the cave near the end of it to um, try and find Rayquaza, you, um, not Rayquaza, it's... Kyogre or Groundon. No, it... It's no. one where you they've just emerged and you're going into the dragon cave. Um, that's in that town you have to dive to get into. I have no the, idea. The red orb or the yeah, blue that's orb. You know, what I was it's thinking. been that long since I played Pokemon. I have no idea what's what you're talking about okay, now. But that's fine. Just let me get my point. Sorry, you teach me and I'll teach you. Right. Um, I said you go in, and your friend comes to you like at a point was like. I saw things were going on and I'm just, I'm worried about you, but you've grown so much. Look, we left at the same place and look at you now. And you, if you actually think about all that you've done through this, you've stopped the crime syndicates, you've met legendary Pokemon, you've done some amazing things. And you're still 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, as I said, it's a world we must defend. Okay, oh. so pick of the geek. Yes, pick of the geek. Um, your best road trip or coming of age games? I um, I want to put an embargo on Pokemon now. <laughs> you're not allowed to mention Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about Pokemon. You're not allowed to talk about Eve. I wasn't going to mention Eve. Well, you talk about every other episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it's relevant. Well, this was a relevant... Have I mentioned Eve not? today? No, but you could have. I wasn't going to. Now you do realise. Yeah, um, I know I'm going to do it out of spite. Out, out of spite right now, Pokemon. Um, Eve, I, I am going to go through each Pokemon and tell you why it's the greatest one here. <laughs> oh, no. God, no. Um, <laughs> All 9,000 of them. So now I'm going to pick, um, actually, I'm going to go with um, Omega Red. I think it... Omega Ruby. Oh, Omega Ruby. Ome- Omega Red is uh, the uh, the cyborg uh, Russian from X-Men. Yep. Great. Omega Red. Always fighting with Wolverine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he did have a great story. It You really did feel like you were making an impact in that game as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just very interesting. It was more story-driven than a lot of Pokemon. I never really got into Omega Red. 
Really? Mm. Or Omega Ruby. As <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ruby. Getting <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, into I, Omega I've, Red was quite dangerous. <laughs> he's got electro-powered tentacles. Uh, you, don't no. want to, <laughs> you don't want to get into him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, who's next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to have to say Journey because it is yeah. pretty much the ultimate road trip. I don't know so much about coming of age, but in terms of just heading off into... Uh, Actually, it does feel like the character develops. It like, does. Like, they do it through very minimalistic means. And, yeah. Like... Because they don't have any dialogue to say, I have grown. But you feel like you've achieved something and you feel like you've moved on from that. Yeah. And then your sort of fleeting interactions with other players. Yeah. It, it feels joyous and wonderful. And that captures what you want on a road trip. Uh, I still uh, agree with what Dave said earlier with uh, Final Fantasy X. Uh, I like, especially it, like the fact that you know it even has the tropes like the campfires and yeah. the, you know the things that would happen on yeah. like in yeah. a road trip film. But I, I especially like the idea of the fact that you know you aren't the chosen one. You know it's, it's you and she is the summoner, and the fact that you sort of just play as technically you are just the follower. You are mm-hmm. a sidekick, yeah, basically. pretty much. Yeah, I mean when but you it, mentioned it's his talk- story, it's well, his story. But it, he when is. you were talking about the campfires, there's that uh, there's that classic scene now. Uh, outside the ruins of Zanakand when they're all around the campfire there. That's well, that's the opening of the game and yeah. also, like, later on, you're like, that's, so that's how we got here. Yeah. And, yeah, that's a bit... In of one a... of the longest intros in video games history. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a bit of a coming-of-age thing in, in that, like, well, Yuna and Tidus, and th- they all go through quite a lot of... Um, yeah. I mean, things like the, their beliefs are questioned. Yeah, uh, as well as uh, I like the fact that... Uh, you know, early on when you meet more of like the gang, like some of them have like different views on like who you are and mm-hmm. don't trust you. And it's only till later on that like, you start proving yourself that you know they open yeah. up more to you. Waka pretty much trusts you straight away. Yeah, yeah, but but later on when more events happen, yeah, he he goes through a crisis of faith. Yeah, because Literally. yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on there, and it's it's definitely a good uh, coming of age and road trip well, kind the, of story. The thing is, they put a lot more. They, uh, if you compare, because uh, I mean, they tried to do something. They tried to do something with twelve. I'm not sure what they tried to do. Twelve, I found a bit too political, bit too high, like narrative. It, it was too high minded. Yeah, they had, and I couldn't get into the. I mean, the main character Van was just. I couldn't tell whether he was a boy or a girl. Um, Seriously, it, it, it was just kind of nondescript in that respect. A little from column A, a little from column B, I'm I not sure. I think it's more the fact that, like, yeah, he's he's a little bit annoying. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't really... Oh, I want to be a space pirate. Uh, a, uh, sorry, a sky, sky pirate. pirate. Why? Actually, if you follow, if you played the DS follow-up, Revenant Wings... I have. He becomes... He, he matures a lot and becomes it, better character. The, that's the that's what annoys me so much about Twelve. They actually put more effort into the story in Revenant Wings than they did in Twelve. You were following the wrong character in Twelve. <laughs> I mean, the, the, like Balthier the, even says Balthier, he's the leading yeah. man. Balthier should have been the leading man. He should have been the main character through and through. I think we're all agreed on that. 
Mm-hmm. It would have been a much more interesting game if he was the lead character. I hate the fight system in that game. <laughs> what fight system? Yeah, they tried to be very MMO with it, and it yeah, didn't and quite... I, that's why I say what fight system. You set your gambits and then just sit there and watch. It's so and where every, every boss has an immune phase. Yeah. Just to drag it out and make you wait longer. I actually beat one of the uh, one of uh, you know one of the uh, I forgot what they were what they were called you know the spirit summon type things that you can use. Oh, the the um, zodiac things. The no, the, that's not no, what they're called. No, they, it was the, uh, no zodiac was one no, of them. Zodiac, yeah. Um, they have a different name. The elemental type creature things. Yeah, they're whatever. the same ones used in tactics. Yeah. I actually beat one of them. I had like I'd basically finished off all of the gambit thing and set my gambits up, and I ran into one by accident. It was like the the second toughest in the game, and I just uh, and I thought, okay, I might as well let my characters die. I'm not going to touch anything. Let them, let them die. I'll just restart so I don't run into it. Because I thought, okay, I'm going to die. Eight hours later, and I win, and I haven't touched the controller in eight hours. Mm-hmm. Just to get off Final Fantasy, because yeah. you guys could talk about it forever. Um, Infamous Second Son. Ooh, interesting choice because it basically. Gives an idiot guy who hasn't really grown up a superpower, and then his choices of what to do with that power. Have you played Last Light? Um, yes, I have. So, um, so the interesting thing is, it has the coming of age mm. of three different characters, yeah, and how they're dealing with it themselves. One who's lashing out at the world and blaming everyone she deemed wrong. Yeah. One who's hiding from the world and one who's just trying to help but doing it in a very messed up way. Yeah. And how that changes things and the dynamics between him and his brother. And it's very interesting how it all plays out. Yeah. Um, in terms of road trips, I'm going to go with uh, my final one um, Skies of Arcadia. Mm? That includes Legends. Um, it was us talking about Sky Pirates that reminded me of it. Uh, Skies of Arcadia is about Sky Pirates. and You basically leave home, you want to be a Sky Pirate, and you're basically a totally, total noob at this. You know, uh, It's how you eventually develop and then eventually have your own secret island base with your own crew because you can go around recruiting people to join your pirate crew yeah. and your own ship, which is hard as nails. Oh, you can make it hard as nails. And you go around just basically fighting stuff and exploring and just basically doing stuff. It's great. Yeah. Any more? Um, I've been thinking, and I was kind of going to put Chrono Trigger on the list. Ooh. But uh, it's more of a road trip through time. Yes. And, uh, like, same way in, in other road trip things where you pick up a cast of characters that are quite bizarre and... Uh, yeah, that would never normally meet if not for the uh, the end goal. But as I say, it goes right through time rather than to a a destination as in a physical place. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of like. I don't see w- why time can't you can't have a road trip through time. They do it in Doctor Who enough times. But in terms of coming of age, um, Frog probably gets the nicest little arc in terms of that. Yeah, where he like uh, stands up and like actually acts like the hero that he that everyone tells him he can be but he's the only one who doesn't believe it yeah and he's an awesome frog who cuts down a mountain with a sword (laughs) true hi 
I'm Destiny Blue, the anime artist, and I like drawing and the Geek Show, which you are currently listening to. Going to take a little break from the main show so we can have a uh, ha- have a review. Atelier Shally. Obviously, okay. with me, it's going to be an Atelier game. Yeah, I, I've made no secret that I'm a massive fan of the Italian franchise because it's all about making stuff. And I like games where I make stuff. So it's weird that I don't like Minecraft. Um, Italia Shally is the last part in the Dusk trilogy of the Italia series, which started off with Atelier Ayesha, Alchemist of the Dusk, and continued with Atelier Esca and Logi, Alchemists of the Dusk Sky. Um, this time again, you can choose one of two characters, and this time they both have the same name. Um, so you can choose, uh, they're both girls. Uh, one of them is Dark Head Girl, who is effectively the princess of her, uh, of her village. I say princess, but she's kind of, you know, tribal, next tribal leader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she's an alchemist called, uh, Shally or Shalistera. Um, and in the town that she's heading to, there's also another girl who's a, who's an alchemist, uh, this time a green-haired girl called Shelly, also called Shalistera, who is trying to become kind of uh, a useful alchemist around town, kind of a jobbing alchemist in the same way that Eska was in Eska and Logi. Um, and once you arri- once the uh, dark-haired Shelly arrives in town, you get to choose which Shelly are you going to be. Because you play both their introductions, and then you decide. The town is basically classed as kind of the an oasis in the middle of this desert. The desert, uh, the the story behind the Dusk series is that the world is ending slowly. All of the water is drying up. Right. Um, basically, the animals are dying, the plants are dying, and nobody knows why it's happening. And for decades, they have been trying to figure out ways of replenishing the water supply across the planet but they don't know what's happening they can't understand it they've done all sorts of research all sorts of experiments and this is the final chapter in the dusk series um so do you finally get answers on that or well um you do yes um you do and you don't um where eska and Logi dealt with uh, a, an experiment that tried to fix the problem it also kind of uh, it also kind of announced what caused the problem in the first place. Um, and Atelier Shally kind of extends on that, runs on that story. You do get recurring characters in Shally as well. So Eskard makes an appearance, you know, and various others from Eskard and Logi, um, and a couple of them from Atelier Ayesha as well. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the control system, it is basically everything that an Atelier game is these days. You know, it's a turn-based battle system. Um, they've introduced this break system so that you can actually stop an enemy cold and continue attacking him until you kill him. The exploration system is where one of the big changes has happened because for the first time, you have a rotating camera. Okay. So you can actually spin the camera around. It doesn't go up and down. It just spins on the horizontal axis, but you can actually see around you in the field now. Um... It's you still can't you can't do that in like your house or in certain other places, but generally in the field you can look around. Which okay, is, so like buildings that have got a set camera angle still keeps you there, but yeah, um, it's actually a lot of uh, a very useful thing. Uh, and once you once you tried it in this game, you kind of wonder why they never introduced it into earlier games because it takes a lot more modeling. Yes, it does. It's it's a very 
in terms of the story, it's very cute. It's very charming. The character designs are all very, very anime. In fact, sometimes so anime it hurts. But I don't know. There's some. There's a kind of charm about the sh- about the Italia franchise that I that I really like. It's not trying to be, you know, super, super serious in the way that other RPGs are. It's not trying to say, you know, if we, you know, if we don't succeed, the world is going to be destroyed. It's going, yeah, okay, we are at the end of the world. If you can fix it, then please do so. <laughs> you know, it's more, it's more polite in a way than a lot of other RPGs that are played, and the fact that you can spend most of your time in the crafting system, which have changed again from before. It not so much changed how it works, but changed the layout of it. I don't like the new layout, I've got to be honest. I like the layout from Esker and Logi because it it was a lot a lot clearer as to what what was going on. With this one, it's kind of fiddly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's nice. It's good. It's good. Um, as, a, as a game, it's a good game. It's a solid game. Is it a step up from Eschatology in terms of the visuals? I'd say no. It's gone. Okay. So, despite the the like improvements in camera, and- yeah, they've had to take a, a step back with the with it. It's gone back to kind of more the Atelier Rona type field visuals, um, where Eschatology was was gorgeous cel shaded graphics. You know, um, very very stylized in terms of its costume costume design and its environments and the coloration. You know, mm-hmm. um, with Atelier Shali, they're kind of taking a step back to the Atelier Rona, Atelier Meru, Atelier Totori games. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's not bad. It's not a bad step back, but, and I can understand why they did it. It's just kind of, I expected a bit more. I was hoping for them to continue on with kind of the visual style that they showed in the Esco and Logi game. Sadly, that's not the case. But still, it's a solid game underneath, you know. Um if you're a fan of the franchise, then you've got to play it. You know, if you're a fan of fan of the franchise, you'll have played Ayesha and Eskan Logi. So you've got to play this to find out how the story ends, how the trilogy ends. And uh, cool. So it's a definite. Like I know you're a fan of the series. So I'm, I'm a fan of the series because it's not trying to. As I said, it's not trying to be super serious about things. It's a game that you can pick up and play. Whenever you feel like, so I mean, but if you're not a fan of the series, could you pick up and play this iteration without, yeah, needing to know much? Yeah, it basically brings you up to speed with things. And that's one of the reasons I like the, the franchise. It brings you up to speed quite well with what's going on. Cool. And the fact that it reintroduces characters from older games, you know, that actually helps a lot mm-hmm. because um, you can then go, okay, right, I've seen, you know, I know that game. I should go and play that game next and find out how they how they fit into this. Cool. So it'll be a good lead-in for new players as well. Yeah. And if you were going to pick it up, is it out yet? It's already out, yeah. And uh, what's it out on? Uh, It's out on PS3. Cool. So, yes. Um, So, yeah, uh, I tell you, Shally, uh, is out now. If you're a fan, play it. Cool. Very simple. Yes, anyway, um, shall we move on to uh, animation and graphic literature? Yes, we shall. Right. Um... Where are we? Uh, there we are. Are there any anime that aren't about coming of age? Yes. <laughs> I, I like the pause and then the yes. I was going to give you an example, but maybe not that one, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know there are 
the malt there is just hard to think of. Um, but it, anime likes to cover this sort of idea. There's a lot of anime based in high school that's all about this concept. There's even ones that are sort of outside any sort of setting like that. That like I was thinking Black Lagoon is a good example of a coming-of-age anime. I think that's more coming to terms than coming-of-age. Rock, rock coming to terms with his new situation. Yeah, well, same sort of idea. Yeah, you understand, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, with all the... With the I'm, kind not, of, I, I'm not sure, because, I mean, there were a few... Um, I'd say things like... Um, there's a lot of good thriller story anime that aren't necessarily about coming to, coming of age. See, Something int- like uh, Bacchano. Yeah. If you can argue a case on, on how that's coming of age, I'd like to see, like to hear it on that one. See, I can't. I can't. I don't class Bacchano as a coming of, coming of age one. Durarara has coming of age elements. Yeah, it does have. Um, but Bacchano definitely isn't. So, uh, you know. Did it, do I win the, pro- the point? <laughs> yes, you, you win a point. I'm putting it on the scoreboard. <laughs> Dragon Ball, the original. What? That is a road yeah, that, trip that, coming yeah. of age. <laughs> yeah. That, that is the most... Or are you saying examples of ones that are now? Yeah, yeah ones that are, yeah. All right, yeah. We're talking about ones that aren't. Oh. <laughs> We're still on that. Ah. He only he only got one point. There's got to be more than just back and up. Ghost in the Shell. It's about... Yeah. Are we seriously doing this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're I, seriously I think, doing this. I think we've proved that they do exist. They yeah. do They do exist. But I think that but like our, the first place our mind goes to when we think of anime is typical shonen, shoujo kind of like yeah. Yeah. dealing so, with high school life or dealing with that sort of period in your life. I'm trying to remember so what... So why do it, so it many animes audience. do this? Because it attracts... Uh, I mean, part of it, especially the whole high school setting thing, um, is... There's what? there's still this whole idea that they have to bring new audiences into anime and younger audiences into anime, especially the teenagers. Um, it's one of the reasons why they set so many in high schools and have high schoolers or you know this kind of uh, nondescript male lead who could be anybody, you know, mm-hmm. who suddenly comes good. You know, th- everybody loves an underdog story. For for example, that kind of thing. It, it, it's these. The, I, I essentially call them marketing tricks. Well, they use them to draw they, people They don't in. have to be set in, in high school to be about that sort of period in someone's life. They don't. I, I mean, agree, so, but most of them unfortunately are. I mean, something like... Um, I, I have the feeling that some of the shonen would be more about coming of age if they were allowed to actually tell a story that wasn't uh, like 300 volumes long. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, for example... Uh, Bleach, there's a real progression in character, but it takes so long that you barely notice it happens. Uh, same with uh, Naruto. Yeah, in Naruto, I can think of a very like sudden jolt that led um, Naruto to like reevaluate, look at himself, and grow up as a character. Yeah, the Jeff, death of Jiraiya, like well, it shook him so hard that he. Had to grow up. Yeah, it was, even it was more that so than that. Even more so than Naruto. Right at the beginning of Full Metal Alchemist is when the Elric brothers are forced to uh, are forced to grow up. Mm-hmm. When they conduct decide when Edward Elric decides that they can bring their mother back. Yeah, and he he loses his arm and his leg, and his brother loses his body. You know, that's their wake up call. That's when they realize you know they've basically stepped over the mark. Yeah. Um. Well, I'd say one that definitely fits the mould of 
road, road trip coming of age is uh, Tengen Topa Gurren Lagan. Yeah. It's basically a road trip with mechs. Yeah. yeah. They, they start off in their little their little village. Oh, for much of it, anyway. The, that, uh, the last part where the... I'd say up until Tepperin, it's yeah. a definite road trip. Yes. Yeah. Because they go along, they meet new friends, they go on adventures, they get bigger, better mechs, and... Interesting one. And uh, events happen that definitely change. Yeah, change interesting people and force them to grow up quite Interesting quickly. one that is a road trip but isn't a coming of age. Um, not in the sense of the main character, though, I should say. Uh, it is for other people. Other people learn stuff. But the main character is basically the voice of experience, uh, Mushishi. Because Ginkgo does travel from place to place, doesn't he? Mm. You know, he's basically the one, uh, the wandering... Uh, Kind of mushy expert, like the Incredible Hulk, but more swordsy. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't use the sword, does he? Uh, to people around. So yeah, it's because yeah. it's the Edo period type thing. Yeah, well, but yeah, um, Mushishi um, and Mononoke to a certain degree as well, which is a spin-off of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the whole road trip thing is a difficult thing for anime. I mean, uh, outside of Kino Notabi. Or Kino's journey. Different locations are expensive. <laughs> yeah, that, that is basically the reason why anime is so localized. Why have we never left this high school? Well. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the uh, thing is, aside from the likes of Kino's journey and uh, Michiko Tohachin um, and Mushishi, uh, there are very few that actually involve involved the whole idea of a road trip there, there's stuff like one piece where you know you go on one piece is like the ultimate road trip no i'm saying you basically go from place to place you know you got that which is uh, which is uh, which is one thing yes it is a uh, kind of the ultimate road trip but i want to be king of pirates what exactly does that entail i don't know but let's yeah. go like but then you the got Grand stuff Line. like yeah but then you got stuff like bleach it's yeah. I mean, there's arcs that are very much like you know when the the second big arc where they go to the Soul Society to rescue uh, Rukia. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it's you know their their town. It was it Karakuri Town that they're in. Yeah, it's either set in Karakuri Town or it's set in Soul Society or it's set in uh, you know the 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 place where the Hollows are. You know, it's set in those places. The but the travel to those places. I mean the the limit of what I've seen is that tunnel. Yeah, the the gargantua, something like that. It's called. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's not really about. There are journey bits, but yeah, it's not about that. Yeah, um, something like Outlaw Stars, more about that. Oh god, yeah, uh, which is almost like a treasure hunt in space. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at times, it felt a bit like Challenge Annika in space. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The bizarre things they have to do. Yeah. To get. <laughs> the next piece of the puzzle to yeah to keep going is is a bit strange, but uh, that reference might have gone over uh, 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 over your heads. You don't know about Challenge Annika, do you? No, All right. I'm not an old person like you two. <laughs> it's yeah, as as we said, like the locations are expensive. Yeah, so the 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 that aspect of a road trip is difficult to pull off. Uh, during the break, uh, Alex suggested uh, the second half of the first series of Sword Art Online, yeah. the Elfheim section, because uh, yeah. he does go on a journey that he has to physically get from one place to another. Yeah, and stuff happens along the way. It's just 
I don't know. Uh, there were and it's bits less. Of... It's less coming of age for him and more for yeah. Uh, Leifer. Ah, I see where you're going with this now, Alex. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense now. <laughs> I was going to say something else. Uh, call her something else, but I guess that's a bit of a spoiler if you've not seen it. Yeah. It makes it makes more sense where you were going with this now. Yeah. Uh, well, if you, if you don't know who Leifer is by now and you're an anime fan, then shame on you. Um, but like having the objective, having the place to go, and then like, yeah, you know, developing on the way, and uh, in a way, Kirito's a lot more likable by the end of that journey. Kirito was a lot more likable when he was unconscious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of uh, through that throughout the first half, he's yeah, he was a lot more. Thing is, he's actually a lot more of a character, a lot more of a person. In Soda Online 2, and yet everyone kind of hated Soda Online 2. I think it's still, I think people prefer the first, but. Yeah, he, he, he was more of a character in Soda Online 2 because of his experiences in Soda Online and in Elfheim Online. And that actually, you know, that gave him a certain weight, gave his character a certain weight in Soda Online 2. Um, but then you get the second half of Soda Online 2, which is about Asna. And mm-hmm. the other girl, who I'm not going to say, um, and Kirito, just you know, there's little bits where Kirito just show, just kind of uh, shows how much of a badass he is in these VR MMOs. Yeah, yeah, you know, because um, he could ease. Uh, there's things that he can do that nobody else can do because they're all built around the same code, and because he's basically got like that master code type thing. He's kind of like a god in VR MMOs. He just doesn't use that ability. Yeah. That's what I didn't like about him in the first series. Yeah. He was just overpowered to Mary Sue levels. Yeah. But <laughs> thing is, it kind of works in the it kind of works in the in the second series because you know he's overpowered. Um he doesn't actually play the game per se. He's not playing the game. He's just going there to hang out with his friends. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, and that, and because he's not classed as a player, you kind of accept. Okay, he's OP. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you see what I mean? Um, there's a lot of hate for Sword Art Online too, though. There's a lot of hate for Sword Art in general. Yeah, not just the second one. Yes, um, so I think that was just because it got very popular, and it's the same with all very popular shows they'll get hate yeah an interesting one that i want to touch on that uh that's really kind of uh, they were saying it was break it it was bre- what was it it was deconstructing the genre i don't fully agree with that but i can see what it was trying to do um and it is one where the whole coming of age and coming to terms things really uh, really apply uh madoka yeah i can see that you know, you you can see exactly how that works, especially by the end when Madoka has to accept that um, something has to give yeah. in order to change the entirety of the situation. So he was, she made a mistake and she's working with this consequence of the mistake she made. Yeah. What was that giggling about there? Uh. Um, uh, Alex is miming some crying actions because Madoka. It's all right, it's all right Alex. Madoka's not my favourite. Nanoha is... Especially strikers. 
And more, more crying. <laughs> you, you've initiated feels there, dude. Nanaha doesn't cry. Nanaha, Nanaha basically uses her pump action uh, staff one type thing and fires a Kamehameha through an entire ship. That's in her terms, version of crying. I'm, I'm going to go, like, in terms of... Because um, we're, we're, we're sort of, like, it's in the last ten Kamehameha minutes. So well. I'm going to yeah. just uh, throw out, in terms of road trip, coming of age, Avatar drops mic. Boom. Yes. Can't disagree with I, you. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. So, I mean, especially the, the first part, Legend of Aang. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, it was very much about Aang learning to deal with who he is. Yeah. And learning to control his powers by going on a trip with his friends. Not only that, actually taking responsibility. I think that was a big part of it, because how many times did he want to run away? In fact, well, he that, did a few the, times. The entire reason that he was found in the... Um, was because he ran yeah. away in the first place. Because he, he he didn't want to be the Avatar. And it very suddenly hits him that he has to yeah. when the Fire Nation comes to the Water Village. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, just moving on to graphic literature because we are uh, almost at the end of the show. Are comic book characters stuck in repeated states of arrested development? Western. Yes. I'd say, unfortunately, yes. It's kind of a nature of the industry in that um, a lot of writers write for the same characters. Yeah. And so you might want to do a coming-of-age story for Spider-Man, but the next writer will want to work with Spider-Man as he was. Basically a total reset so he can develop the character in his own way. Poor Uncle Ben. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Batman. There's a lot ways the character could grow and develop but he's going to get some growth, some development, and then he'll be passed off to the next writer who will most often reset everything. It's, um, it's sad because recently for four panel, the Geek Show's comic yeah. show, uh, I've been reading through a lot of different Batman series. Yeah, you have. And um, through it, like all the side characters are quite well developed. They're interesting. They have conflicts going on. Batman doesn't have that because he just has to be Batman. Like, the supporting cast can develop in strange and unusual ways, but Batman has to stay Batman. So, but for the on long running superheroes and things like that, this ha- this almost has to be the case. Yeah. I'd say for like, if for new and original stories, that's different. I'd say for something like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. As a comic book, that gets to have that sort of. Uh, character growth and uh so um things like um 2080s um they have a set rules where they're like we don't reset yeah everything continues judge dread now is the same one from way back when and he has changed as a character yeah because he goes through stuff he learns the effects and like he was never the hard-boiled I don't. I will do anything to stop it, whether it is fair or not. He has become that because of the actions that have happened to him, and yeah. it shows that he, an interesting character can be built over time. Well, I mean, uh, take the, the uh, there's that uh, I've forgotten it was an image or not. Um, the Savage Dragon. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it is image. Yeah, um, he's the. It's the only comic Western comic book that has that has from its inception been written and drawn by the same person yeah ah 
No. There's a few, there's a few, but uh, I think it's one of the few serial ones. That's what I mean, serial, uh, that's what I mean, serialized. Yeah, because uh, I, I would have said something like, uh, uh, Cerebrus the Aardvark? Oh, Cerebrus, yeah. Yeah, is like the longest one written and yeah, drawn by the that's, same that's, author. That, that's the longest one, but uh, I'm talking about in terms of uh, serialization, you know, as in uh, a weekly or monthly serialization. Yeah, that, uh, the, uh, yeah, that one comes out in phone books. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, uh it's uh, Eric Larson and it is Image Comics. Um but yeah. So the thing is, um we say about comics they always sort of restart. With manga, they don't tend to do that. They like to have big events that shake the character, that change things up. They like to have big deaths that impact them or big events and stuff like that. So that they can shake up the formula. Mm. They do spin-offs if they want to take in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot that, like, character growth can only happen within the first, like, chunk of a character's life in in terms of, uh, in, in like, the big Western yeah. comics. Yeah. Um, like, Spider-Man is a coming-of-age story up to a point. Yeah. They don't let him progress past a certain point. Well, I mean, uh, did... That was one of the biggest problems with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was that they kind of got him to a certain point and then kept him there for a while and then killed him off. Mm. I I think Ultimate, it was... It gave the prelude a little bit more weight. Yeah. You know, before he was Spider-Man and gave you a little bit more context to him being yeah. a person that then, that then the growth makes a bit more sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I see what you mean, that, like... They did kind of uh, cut him out, but the, more because of the actions of Six One Six Spider Man were getting t- stale than his own. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, interesting thing is, I mean, when you look at Spider Man, he's been rebooted to death. But how many times has someone like Captain America been rebooted? Because it depends what you mean. A few people have been the character. No, a, a few people have uh, written the character. I mean, how many times has Captain America, as a character, in terms of Marvel comics, been rebooted? The thing is, Captain America is sort of at a point where he is a fully fleshed-out character. Like, he is not still developing who he is, like Spider-Man should be. No, what, what I'm saying is, that, you know, Spider-Man has been, you know, uh, uh, is suffering from arrested development. Um, but Captain America, they don't reboot him over and over again in no, the way that he's, Spider-Man he's, does. He's, he's already arrested development. He's a symbol that stands for something. Yeah, he doesn't. He yeah, he he doesn't have to. Um, like even when they reboot him, it's not a change to the character. He is the same character. They bring him that's out. They saying. bring him out of a freezer every so often, and he's exactly the same as he ever that, was. That's exactly what I mean. You know, uh, but in a way, that's not character growth. That's not coming of age. That's nothing no that, but that's what that's what i mean you know it, it, it there's different ways that they handle these different characters captain america i mean, i'd love to see someone else's take on you know because they've done it in the movies the first avenger movie for example they had him as a weedy little kid you know volunteered for the super soldier uh experiment blah 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 there are other ways that you could spin that and one of the original origin stories he was actually in a world war ii cell um in nazi germany and the professor was in a neighboring cell. Professor was dying and actually gave him the super soldier serum so he could escape. For example. The thing is, 
it's still the same origin story at heart. He gets yeah, the but Spider Man's is the same origin story at heart. You know, he get he gets bitten by know, a radioactive radioactive or that, genetically engineered spider, and these this day and age. I say it's still the point that Spider Man's meant to be a young character that still needs to grow and adapt as a person, and he stops because the comic needs him to stop growing as a character. Same thing happens Cap- to the X Men. Captain America is an adult person who's already gone through those conflicts. All I'm saying is. There's other characters who are... Oh, there are other characters. Like, the X-Men are in a constant point. Yeah. Like, something I like was not that long ago was the death of Wolverine. And yeah. if that sticks, it ended beautifully. It's like, not going to stick. You know it's not going to stick. I know it isn't. And it makes me sad because it was done perfectly to the point where Wolverine accepts his end. Yeah. And he is happy. And... It's a development of the character that you don't get to see. Wolverine is never truly happy. And here he is on his knees in his last moments, and he is... He's happy because it's finally come to an end. Yeah, but not even that. He's just... It gives him a second to look at his life and think, yeah, I've done something worth something. I mean, that's my point, you know. uh, He's at peace with himself for the first time in probably his entire life. Yeah, or, in, or for as long as he can remember because I think the thing that most people forget with Wolverine as a character is that he's been around for a long time yeah yeah. so um, talking about being around for a long time we are almost up yes uh, in fact we are uh, we are pretty much up yes um, we better uh, finish the show there before we overrun yes ah <sighs> <laughs> we could have gone on we, oh we could have gone for on this, this road trip could have continued forever <laughs> But sadly, we will continue this journey at some point in the future. If you want to continue our journey, check us out on um, Mixcloud, where you can find our previous recordings as well as other shows. such Yes, um, Four Panel, Bit Panel, um, uh, Keyframe, Cinema Eclectica, and a whole host of others soon as well, including, uh, what's that wrestling one? Uh, Cheap Pop. I thought that was like, you know, those little bottles of drink that they sell at the, fi- uh, the fish and chip shop. You don't know about real wrestling. <laughs> no, I don't know about real wrestling. I tried watching TNA the other night. I, f- I saw some huge woman called Awesome Khan. Awesome. Yes. Anyway, um, it's a cool story. find us on um, the Facebook. Just search for Geek Show. Same with Tumblr. Um, tweet us at um, TGS, TGS underscore The Geek Show. And we will see you next week. Yes. I have been Ben. I was Dave. I'm going to continue this road trip. (laughs) And I've been Ryan. And I've been Rob. We'll see you all next week. Bye.
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.